You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include a British doctor branded his initials on a patient's liver and the Delaware County helicopter crash has been ruled an accident. Here's your national news recap for the week of January 9th. The U.S. Supreme Court is blocking enforcement of the Biden administration's vaccine mandate on large businesses. The 6-3 court majority argued the mandate is too broad. Justices gave a green light to the vaccine mandates for healthcare workers in facilities that receive federal funding. A New York homeless man was arraigned Thursday afternoon for attacking a Good Samaritan Wednesday morning. Surveillance video showed Xavier Israel attacking a 59-year-old man after he took off his jacket and put it on Israel lying on the sidewalk. It happened near Bryant Park. Israel is being held on a $25,000 bail and was due back in court Friday. Rescue California is demanding Governor Gavin Newsom address the rise in crime in the state. The group is discussing potential solutions to the spiking crime rates and retail theft. One solution is a crime initiative proposed by political and election lawyer Thomas Hiltak, which aims to restore accountability for repeat offenders. Interim Chair of Rescue California Ann Dunsmore says the pandemic of crime is just as damaging as COVID-19. President Biden has appointed the head of Oregon Housing and Community Service to become a regional administrator of the U.S. Housing and Urban Development. Margaret Salazar has been director of OHCS since 2016. She helped develop the state's first statewide housing plan. Two years into that five-year plan, 18,000 affordable homes have been built. Salazar has been criticized for her agency's deployment of federal emergency rent assistance. Thousands of applications are still unprocessed, and some Oregon legislatures want an audit of the agency's management of rent assistance payments. Placer County is launching a new way to get help during emergencies. It's one of the latest counties in California to use a text to 911 service. Residents and visitors can now send text messages to 911 during emergencies when they're unable to speak to dispatchers on the phone. The new function gives hearing and speech-impaired residents the ability to communicate with dispatchers, as well as people in situations where it's too dangerous to talk. The Placer County Sheriff's Office says the first text message should be brief and contain the location of the emergency and the type of help needed. Text must be sent in English, and pictures, video, and or emojis won't go through. All texts will be routed to a nearby dispatch center the same way a 911 call is routed. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline has added a three-digit dialing code, rerouting callers to the hotline. The 1-800 number will still be functional, but the new 988 three-digit code makes it easier for people in need to reach the hotline. The three-digit code will be available to everyone in the United States starting July 16, 2022. The Oregon Employment Department reports $24 million in fraud during the first year of the pandemic. 
More than $7 billion in total benefits were paid and the fraud accounts for three-tenths of 1% of all benefits. $3 million were the result of identity theft cases and $21 million were from unemployment insurance fraud. Investigators have been able to get $1 million back from people who received fraudulent overpayments. An elementary school in California's Yuba City Unified was forced to close campus Thursday due to a spike in COVID cases. Now, all schools in Lake Tahoe Unified are following suit as COVID-19 cases rise. All eight schools in the El Dorado County District were closed Thursday and will not reopen until Tuesday. Monday is the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, so schools were already scheduled to be closed. All students will be given an at-home test to use before returning to classes Tuesday. This comes as officials report one in four students and staff members have tested positive for COVID-19 in the past few weeks. Baltimore City State's attorney, Marilyn Mosby, is being indicted by a federal grand jury. She faces two counts of perjury regarding COVID-19 financial hardship withdrawals and two counts of making false statements on loan applications for two Florida vacation homes. Mosby allegedly took withdrawals of $40,000 and $50,000 from her city retirement account, claiming pandemic-related financial hardships. According to the indictment, Mosby received her full salary of nearly $248,000 in 2020. If convicted, Mosby faces a maximum of five years each on two counts of perjury and up to 30 years each for making false statements. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your national news. I'm Jen McGraw with your political news. A senior U.S. official warned on Thursday, January 13th, that there was a drumbeat of war sounding loud following a week of diplomacy between the West and Russia that ended Thursday. The week ended without a clear breakthrough over the thousands of Russian troops at the Ukraine border. This left chances of ideas of future diplomacy and de-escalation slim to none. Russian officials suggest they could soon turn to military efforts. Both U.S. and Russian officials left a Thursday meeting without positive outcomes in Vienna at the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe. This was the third meeting that the U.S. and NATO allies hoped would encourage Russia to de-escalate the border crisis. President Joe Biden announced on Thursday, January 13th, that his administration would produce high-quality masks that would become available to Americans for free as the U.S. struggles with the surge of the Omicron variant and increase of hospitalizations. Biden noted that masks are not always affordable and convenient to get, and his administration would announce details about how Americans can get their hands on a free mask. N95 and KN95 masks are reported to be more protective than cloth masks, so the administration is trying to produce more of these high-quality masks to stop the spread. President Joe Biden continued pushing for the passage of voting legislation in Congress at Capitol Hill on Thursday, January 13th. This ongoing process has been a battle for Democrats because of the Republican opposition and resistance within their ranks in changing Senate rules. Democratic leaders are moving forward regardless with a plan to bring up voting legislation in the Senate. The first step was to have the House of Representatives pass voting legislation, which they did Thursday morning ahead of Biden's visit. The House approved a measure that combined key components of two voting bills, the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. The voting legislation would then be sent to the Senate, where the uphill battle Democrats have faced thus far would not end there. The IRS had more than 11 million unprocessed tax returns left over from the most challenging year taxpayers ever experienced. The tax collection agency will begin the upcoming filing season already behind, according to a report by the National Taxpayer Advocate released Wednesday, January 12th. The processing delays were noted to be as bad and potentially worse in 2022. The pandemic created challenges for the IRS. 
Congress had the tax agencies send out billions of dollars in economic relief benefits, such as its stimulus payments and child tax credits. Those challenges made existing problems worse within the IRS. Treasury Department officials warned earlier in the week that taxpayers would experience delays this year when filing for their 2021 federal tax returns. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said that he would not cooperate with a request from the House Select Committee that is investigating the insurrection at the Capitol on January 6, 2021. This statement came after Zauer McCarthy was asked to provide information, especially that of former President Donald Trump's mental state during the Capitol attack and the weeks after the incident. McCarthy noted that the committee is not conducting a legitimate investigation. He cited that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi rejected some of his picks to serve on the panel, so the investigation was not serving a legitimate purpose, he stated. I'm Jen McGraw, and that was your political news. I'm Victoria Baker with your international news. Dutch athletes competing in the upcoming Beijing Winter Olympic Games have been told to leave their phones and laptops at home to avoid being spied on. Patrick Falk reports from Beijing. According to Dutch newspaper De Volkskrant, it's aimed at countering any possible interference by Chinese state agents. A spokesperson for the Dutch Olympic Committee said cybersecurity was part of the risk assessment made for the Games, but Hurt Slot declined to share any further specifics. The Dutch team will be given unused devices in China to protect their personal data from Chinese surveillance. Patrick Falk, Beijing. A British doctor who branded his initials on his patient's liver is no longer allowed to practice medicine in the UK. According to the BBC, Records show that in 2013, Dr. Simon Brigham used a surgical device to place his initial on transplanted livers at the end of each surgery. The initials were discovered in 2017 after an organ transplant failed, and Brigham was convicted of common assault. In 2020, his license was suspended for professional arrogance of such magnitude that it strayed into criminal behavior. On Monday, Brigham was taken into the medical register, meaning he can no longer work as a doctor in the UK. Ye will travel to Moscow later in this year to meet up with Russian President Vladimir Putin. The rapper, formerly known as Kanye West, is going to Russia to hold a Sunday service event, according to Billboard. A friend of his who spoke to Billboard said Ye isn't likely to be swayed by any criticism around his meeting with Putin. This is Ye's first time performing in Russia. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is apologizing for attending a Bring Your Own Booze event during lockdown nearly two years ago. He publicly admitted he was at the May 2020 party on Downing Street. Johnson said he was there for 25 minutes at what he believed was work event in the back garden. Leader of the Labour Party, Keir Sturman, asked Johnson to his face whether he would resign. Johnson has been prime minister since July 2019. NATO is unanimously calling for Russia to de-escalate tension along the Ukraine border. This, according to the U.S. Deputy Secretary of State, Wendy Sherman, spoke after an almost four-hour session between Russian officials and the NATO alliance of 30 countries that held an attempt to stop the Russian military from invading Ukraine. Sherman said the alliance spoke in complete unity to reject Russia's demand that NATO cease expansion. Russia says there are no plans to invade Ukraine. A new study says extreme rainfall is bad for the economy. The study published Wednesday in the journal Nature found 
that concentrated bursts of daily rainfall decreases economic growth, especially in wealthy countries. Scientists at Germany Postman Institute for Climate Impact Research studied 40 years of data from over 70 countries and found just a few extra inches of extreme rainfall during the year could reduce a country's annual growth by half a percentage point. The researchers said they took other factors into account that conclude the very high confidence that there was a direct link between the rainfall and that economy. That was your international news. I'm Victoria Baker. And now it's time for local news with me, Sam Whalen. Governor Phil Murphy is pushing to help keep New Jersey stronger, fairer, and more affordable. In his State of the State address, he said New Jersey's economic growth went from 47th to 4th in the country. Murphy said New Jersey is a state people want to move to, citing investing in public education, raising the minimum wage, lowering health care costs, creating more technology startups, and turning around New Jersey transit. In addition, the governor said he'll sign into law a bill that secures a woman's access to reproductive care and her right to choose. Maryland's 90-day General Assembly session has started in Annapolis. Just before the session began, Governor Larry Hogan submitted the legislative maps authored by the Maryland Citizens Redistricting Commission that he says are fair and geographically compact. He also went over his legislative priorities that include more police funding, anti-crime measures, eliminating state retirement taxes, and creating permanent tax relief for working families. Members of the General Assembly are expected to consider thousands of bills this session dealing with redistricting, legalizing marijuana, juvenile justice reform, climate change, crime, paid family leave, COVID, and managing the state's $4.5 billion budget surplus. Due to the coronavirus, lawmakers are expected to meet virtually, at least for the first several weeks. And there are COVID safety measures in place, including a mask mandate. Senate President Bill Ferguson and House Speaker Adrian Jones have been re-elected to their leadership. Trenton Waterworks is making progress removing lead pipes throughout its service area. The New Jersey Utility Company says 25% of lead services have been replaced from the water distribution system since it started work in February of 2020. Nearly 32,000 lead pipes need to be replaced and the company has been funded $50 million to fund the program's five phases. Officials say they are still pinpointing homes with lead service lines and encourage homeowners to participate in the effort. The winter coronavirus surge in New Jersey may be starting to peak. Latest figures show there are more than 19,400 cases. That's the first time in a couple weeks the daily case count has been below 20,000. The rate of transmission also declined a bit. More than 6,000 people are in the hospital for coronavirus in New Jersey, a slight increase from prior numbers. New Jersey residents are reacting to Governor Murphy extending the coronavirus-related mask mandate for children in schools. Scott Pringle has more. It's unclear how long children will have to wear masks in school, but Governor Murphy says it'll be for the foreseeable future. Jim, who has two children in school, not happy about this. It's hard wearing it for the entire day. I, I wish they didn't have to do it. Both of them are vaccinated. Polls in the past have shown the majority of New Jerseyans support the school mask mandate. Scott Pringle, NBC News Radio, New Jersey. Investigators believe that the helicopter crash that recently occurred in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, was a pure accident. The National Transportation Safety Board announced recently that the chopper had no issues until it got around the area of the crash. Four people, including an infant, were on board, but only the pilot was seriously injured. They were headed to the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia at the time, and there's no damages to any of the houses near the scene of the crash. State officials are confirming that it was a ransomware attack that compromised the Maryland Department of Health's website back in December. In a statement from Chief Information Security Officer Chip Stewart, the investigation into the incident is ongoing and that the state did not pay any of the demands from the hackers. Stewart says the department was able to isolate the threat and contain its systems within hours of detecting the attack. 
Officials believe there is no evidence of unauthorized access to the website or a breach of state information during the incident. Members of the local Philadelphia Teachers Union are being encouraged to ask city leaders to put a pause on in-person learning. The Philadelphia Federation of Teachers has requested its members to contact Mayor Jim Kenney and the school board to implement a new safety plan as well. This comes as more than 100 schools have switched to virtual classes due to an increase in COVID-19 infections among staff. City leaders have not commented on this request. I'm Sam Whalen, and that was your local news. I'm Karai Bennett with the Rowan News. Rowan University will join other public New Jersey colleges and universities in a program beginning this fall to provide free third and fourth year tuition and fees for many in-state residents. Under the Garden State Guarantee Program, students whose parents or guardians have verified adjusted income, or AGI, of $65,000 or less will pay nothing for tuition and fees in their junior and senior years. Considered a last-dollar program, Garden State Guarantee will cover the cost of tuitions and fees at the public state institutions after federal, state, and institutional aid have been applied. In addition to families whose AGI is $65,000 or less, the program will assist students whose parents or guardians earn between $65,000 and one and $80,000 per year, ensuring they will pay no more than $7,500 for tuition and fees in their junior and senior year. The program will apply to full-time students taking at least 12 credits per semester, but will be limited to four semesters per students. Once again, I'm Karaya Bennett with your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, political, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce, along with the Rowan Radio News Team. I'm Danny Ryan with your news around the Rowan University sports world. Taking a look at the Rowan University basketball teams. Since my partner in crime, Nick Earnshaw, last spoke with you, both the men's and women's basketball teams have participated in two doubleheaders, with the first coming on the 8th of January home here in Glassboro, New Jersey, as the women's game started things off against Rutgers Newark. With ease, the Rowan University women's basketball team defeated the Rutgers Newark Scarlet Raiders 94-61, as Dakota Adams led the way with 16 points along with 10 rebounds and 2 steals. Following in her footsteps on the afternoon for the profs were Grace Marshall and Christina Johnson. Marshall accumulated for 11 points and 7 rebounds, as well as 1 block and 6 assists. Johnson also put together a respectable stat line in just 18 short minutes of play, putting up 10 points, 5 rebounds, and 2 steals, while also hitting 2 of 3 shots from behind the arc. For the Scarlet Raiders, Kelly Martinez was one of the lone bright spots for the Rutgers Newark squad, as she posted 19 points along with 1 steal, hitting 3 of her 6 3-point shots attempted. Ebony Odom Barnes and Samaya Horton were Martinez's only teammates to also reach double digits on the afternoon, as Odom Barnes accumulated 13 points on the afternoon, while Horton contributed 11 points, respectively. The women's team improved to 8-5 overall and continue to polish their conference record as they currently sit atop of the NJAC standings tied with Kane University at 6-1. Moving on to the men's basketball game that followed the women's game at 3 p.m., also facing Rutgers-Newark. The men's basketball team wouldn't have as much luck as the women's basketball team as they, well, dropped this one by a slim margin of six points by a final score of 66-60 to in favor of the Scarlet Raiders, of course. Leading the way for the Scarlet Raiders was Quincy Rutherford as he played 38 minutes in this one, dropping a team-leading 25 points on 10-for-16 shooting from the field, along with seven rebounds and one steal to add a cherry on top. The main problem for the profs in this one came down to availability. 
After a close win against NJCU on the 5th of January, where they had just seven available players, the profs found themselves in the same position as they relied on young guard Josh Wright to lead the shorthanded profs. Wright, along with Damian Smith and Marcellus Ross, put up double digits on the evening as Wright ended the game with 23 points, Smith with 15, and Ross with 13. This loss was the first for the men's basketball team since December 1st against Stockton at home in Esby Gymnasium. They would hope to bounce back on the road against Montclair State in their next doubleheader on January 12th. Sadly, the profs would lose in Montclair by a one-point margin as this contest came down to the final seconds, despite star center Andrew Seeger returning to the starting lineup. In the first game of this doubleheader in Montclair, the women's basketball team were able to get the job done, defeating the Red Hawks by nearly 20 points by a final score of 65-47. to With their second straight loss, the men's basketball team fell to a comfortable 11-3 overall in the year. For the women's basketball team, they improved to 9-5 after five straight victories. They have been rolling as of late. Once again, my name is Danny Ryan, and this has been your news from around the Rowan University sports world, right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Hi, I'm Megan Steckler with your Rowan Report business update. On Tuesday, General Motors introduced Car Bravo, a website that will list all of the hundreds of thousands of used cars at participating dealers throughout the country. It will also show used cars owned by GM and GM Financial, the auto giant's finance arm. Company officials say that there are 400,000 used vehicles in dealer inventory on an ongoing basis. GM and GM Financial have 500,000 used cars in stock every year, and GM expects most of its 3,800 dealers to participate as it takes aim at giant used car retailers CarMax and Carvana. Bank of America is cutting overdraft fees. They'll drop from $35 to just $10 in May. The bank also plans to get rid of non-sufficient funds fees as soon as February. President of Retail Banking, Holly O'Neill, says the bank hopes to empower clients to create long-term financial wellness with the latest steps. According to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, 5% of checking account holders will get hit with overdraft fees more than 20 times a year. Despite antitrust concerns, two TV providers are again discussing a potential merger. Rory O'Neill reports. According to a New York Post exclusive, DirecTV and Dish Network are back at the bargaining table. The two companies tried to merge decades ago but were blocked by the FCC and the Justice Department's antitrust division. DirecTV has more than 15 million customers, well off its peak of 25 million five years ago. Dish subscribers have fallen from 13 million to 8.4 million. I'm Rory O'Neill. Be ready to possibly pay more for that pizza you order from Domino's. That's because the company's CEO, Richard Allison, is expecting unprecedented increases in food costs compared to last year. He said the price jump for those costs will be between 8 and 10%. Allison explained the price of many things, including cheese, is increasing, and he also noted Domino's will likely feel the impact of high labor costs. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. And now it's time for your weekly entertainment recap with me, Brandon Searles. Hollywood is still mourning the death of legendary comedian Bob Saget, who unfortunately died on Sunday at age 65. During an appearance on Jimmy Kimmel Live on Monday, Steve Harvey spoke about his friendship with this fellow funny man and reflected on the times they spent together behind the camera, sharing that the dude you see on TV, that is not who that was. Saget was found dead in his Orlando hotel room Sunday, although his cause of death is still unknown. The Oscars will once again have a host this year. The Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences has gone without an MC for its annual ceremony since Jimmy Kimmel hosted in 2018. 
Telecast producer Will Packer will have the job of picking this year's host. Comedian Kevin Hart was the last scheduled host for the show in 2019, but he was removed following backlash for past homophobic tweets. The Academy is hoping this year's awards pull decent viewership numbers after ratings for last year's show hit an all-time low. SNL's Pete Davidson is being eyed to host this year at Academy Awards, as well as Tom Holland being in other talks. Kanye West and Julia Fox are officially an item, and the rapper's estranged wife Kim Kardashian is sharing her thoughts on the budding relationship. According to TMZ, an inside source says KKW is happy to see Kanye out smiling again and only wants to see him end up with a good person that's up to Kanye to figure out and not for Kim to judge. The source also says that for Kim, she's glad that Fox is a fan and would rather deal with that than a hater. The Skims founder has reportedly moved on from Kanye officially and is enjoying time with her new boo, SNL's Pete Davidson. The 2022 Coachella lineup is out. Harry Styles, Billie Eilish, Kanye West, and Swedish House Mafia are slated to headline Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival 2022. The highly anticipated festival is set for April 15th through 17th and April 22nd through 24th at the Empire Polo Club in Indio, California. It was scrapped in both 2020 and 2021 due to the global pandemic. That left a lot of people holding out on the passes they can now use for this year. As a result, the first weekend's already sold out. One general admission pass is $549. Jason Momoa and Lisa Bonet are parting ways in marriage. The couple announced the news in a joint statement on Momoa's Instagram Wednesday night. The now former couple said the love between them carries on and that they are freeing each other. Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox are engaged. MGK announced on Instagram he asked the actress to marry him under the same tree they fell in love at. Fox's engagement ring is actually two rings that feature two paired-shaped stones, one diamond to represent MGK's birthstone, and one green emerald to represent Fox's. The two first started dating in July of 2020. The newest Batman movie starring Robert Pattinson will be rated PG-13, despite previous speculation the gritty movie would be rated R. Film sources say the Batman received the rating because it doesn't use excessive foul language or nudity, but there had been talks this could be the first rated R Batman movie. The Warner Brothers chairman previously said he wanted to differentiate DC from the more family-friendly Marvel in the past. Comes out March 4th in theaters. I'm Brandon Searles, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Rowan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.